Hello, welcome to Studio Stories on Amherst Island Radio. I'm your host, Lynn Waiminga, and on this program I take you on a Canadian art tour, starting here on Amherst Island and going beyond. Every episode we visit a different studio and talk to artists and artisans about their work, their beginnings, and more. We'll update cjai.ca slash studio stories with images of or links to our guests' work and sites, so be sure to take a look. Hello, and welcome to Studio Stories on Amherst Island Radio. I'm your host, Lynn Waiminga, and today we are in Toronto on the west side in the um, gallery of Vera Bobson. <laughs> Hi, Vera. How are you? Hi. Very good, thanks. I met Vera. I went to the Artist Project in Toronto with a friend and uh, didn't give myself enough time. But what, you, were one of the, you were in one of the first rows. I was. And I came up to Vera's art and it's bold and geometric shapes and I was fully drawn in by the work and then I got closer and I realized it was watercolor. And that was surprising to me because I think of watercolor as sort of, you know, landscapes and... Yes. Well, watercolor is a wonderful medium. You can do anything with watercolor and it is known for its atmospheric, um, moody kind of paintings and colorful flowers, but there's a lot more you can do with it. And that's my challenge is to make it the way I want to paint. Right. When I started, um, I learned all the rules. There were lots of rules with watercolor, a little intimidating at first, like there was no pencil. Some people felt there was no pencil, definitely no rulers. And uh, I painted what I saw. So I'd move around the countryside and find that perfect view of the rock and the tree and the waterfall and I enjoyed that. I did it for um, about six years. I retired and started to paint. So uh, that's usually my first question is, is how did you get started? Did you like, was, did you take a class or did you? I did. Was it something you always wanted to? Well. Um, I did try one water class color uh, course in the 80s and um, it ended up I was doing everything wrong. The teacher actually came over and said that's wrong and she took the brush out of my hand and brushed it out and put in a tree where I had a little cabin on a hill in the woods. <laughs> and wow. so I didn't go back. No. That really was very frightening and I stayed away from it but I did a lot of other things. Um, I did pottery and weaving and knitting and crocheting and um, stained glass and a lot of other things. And I guess I was always searching for my passion, which is watercolor, watercolor. and painting. Turns out. Turns out. On your, what's the word I'm looking for? On my own terms? Yes, on your own terms. Well, I feel that I had to learn those rules first. Uh, so I had an understanding of what the paint could do. and. I really thought that that's, and I was delighted when I could do trees like Jake Mole and flowers like Margaret Roseman. I felt I've made it. I've, <laughs> I'm successful. I can do the trees in the water. <laughs> and um, this wonderful artist from California, Christopher Schink, came up. The, the Canadian Society of Painters and Watercolor brought him up for a four-day workshop. And he said, there are no rules. You can do what you want. And I thought, oh yeah, you know. <laughs> However, uh, he had us do the same scene four different ways. Once like Picasso, uh, Cezanne, Monet, and um, Matisse. 
and I found that Cezanne was really kind of exciting. It, yeah. it was just a simplification of what I was doing and stylizing. So I could put more of myself into it. And um, growing up, as many females do, we try to fit in. So at first you want to fit into your high school group, and then you want to fit into the neighborhood, you want to fit into the Young Mothers Association, then the Home and School Association. So you're always kind of just copying and fit, well I did, always trying to fit in. And so when he said I could do what I wanted, I thought, oh, well I'm just sitting over here by myself in the corner, it didn't matter, I could do what I wanted, and I really enjoyed it. And it just exploded. So from that stylization, I discovered that the negative space they used to talk about, the white paper as a mm -hmm. negative space, there's nothing negative about it. It's a very exciting shape, and it has to be just as interesting and important as all the other shapes that I put in. So that's my goal now, is to find the interaction of the shapes, how they can work together or not work together, and what do I want to say. Right. And th then the colors are wide open. I can mix colors or take them straight out of the tube. Yeah. I can use black, I can use white. Um, and it's much more rewarding and challenging. I do. Uh, think about the 16 elements of design. So sometimes I give myself a challenge because there's certain elements that I like to use. Mm -hmm. I like to use dissidence. I like to use harmony. I like to use a lot of things. But there are some that I find, you know, not that interesting or more difficult. So then I'll uh, try to do a painting using that element to see if I can challenge break it yourself. down. Yes, yeah. That's, it's, uh, that's great. It's a wonderful wonderful pastime for me. It's not just a pastime, it's a passion. I really have to paint right. almost every day. That's yeah, it has to be very important to pull me out of my gallery <laughs> and my studio. <laughs> right. <laughs> I appreciate you giving me the time <laughs> today. <laughs> I could show you the steps that I've taken. In the other room I have traditional watercolor, but see as, as you start to stylize and simplify, I had these shapes. And so this is a negative shape and I would have at one point made it blue because it's waterfall. Right. But then as I worked a bit more, there's more white bits showing. And yeah. as I left that white bit, I like that jiggity edge. And so I thought, well, that's a really cool thing to do. And then having a bit of dissidence, the black is the dissidence, which I really like. Right. It's just something that doesn't quite belong or you're not expecting. I was looking over at the, the icebergs and how you went sort of more, this one's more traditional and then that one's more stylized. Well, each fall I do um, a two-week workshop with John Leonard, who's a phenomenal person, um, and that's at the McMichael Collection right. Canadian Art, and we study the group of seven, and uh, as you can tell, yeah. my favorite is Lauren Harris. Yeah. So it's um, the bigger shapes, simplifying it, and that still reads as a landscape, but from that I can go to something like that up there using the colors. Right. And it could be landscape, but it doesn't have to be anymore. But I do do a couple because it becomes a touring show throughout the province. And he likes to show that there are many ways to express the landscape. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay, so one, one of the things that you mentioned was uh, when you were learning watercolor, 
was no pencil and then another was never rulers. Never rulers, no. <laughs> so talk to us about your use of rulers. Well, I started, um, I did a number of paintings, probably for a year or so, of just getting straight edges uh, because I liked the strength that it showed. And, and then I thought, I really want it to be razor sharp. Yeah. So I used my ruler. And then, you know, I made a, I was pretty, getting pretty good with a freehand and a ruler, but then I discovered frog tape. And frog tape gives that to me. It gives me that sharp edge, and it's a bit more, I think it's a bit more powerful to be um, so sharp. Yeah, and I think that's what drew me into your booth at the, at the Artist Project, was that it's very powerful to look at and then and the, like the colors and the sharp lines and the, it's just bold and I know so there was that secret bold veer inside me all those years all those years all those when decades. you were just trying to fit in <laughs> yeah yeah it's good it's, it's out now that's great okay so we've already kind of covered this a little bit but um, can you talk to me about other influences um, art well, there are a lot of, I, I didn't have any art history. Uh, the year I started high school, they moved all of the, the that, that curriculum and that uh, choice to Central Tech. So mm. uh, we were strictly, I went to Melvin Collegiate and it was strictly a collegiate. And at that time, Doris McCarthy was teaching at Central Tech. And I, I think, oh gosh, I could have been studying with yeah. Doris McCarthy. However. Uh, the principal said, you go to Central, you go to Malvern, you mm -hmm. go to here. And so we just did what you were told. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I enjoyed it. Malvern was a great school, but I had the choice of Latin or, <laughs> or typing where I would have taken art, I think, because I've always, not that I used to do a lot of art, but it's always interested me. Right. So that's, that's a time where now it's, there's more choice. I think people understand that there's more choice yeah. than what we had. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and it's, it's I, I, when you told that story of the, the, our, the watercolor teacher saying, no, that's wrong, and yes. taking over your painting, that just... I know, isn't that horrible? That's horrendous. <laughs> but actually, it's funny because both my husband and I have, um, have, similar experiences in high school. I had an amazing teacher in grade nine. I went to Markham High for those for nine, 10, and 11. And Dorsey James was my teacher. He's a sculptor, wood sculptor, amazing. Oh. Um, and he was an incredible art teacher. And then grade 10, I, I wanted to continue doing art. And, uh, and I had a terrible teacher, just, oh. just sucked all the joy right out of it and just became this uh, it wasn't very creative anymore. It's like a it formula. Freeing. This is yeah. how you do. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And then my husband had the same. So when you when you brought that up, I just thought, oh, it's so terrible when someone and still comes there. and destroys that. I, yeah, yeah. You can still. I feel a little resentment towards that woman. Who, <laughs> it's yeah. a good thing I don't know her, but I don't exactly. remember her name. <laughs> but it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, that was the 80s, and it wasn't until I retired in 2004 that I started to paint. But I did enjoy my life. It was not like right, she destroyed right, me. Right, right. And I did do a lot of creative things. And you things. found your way back. Mm -hmm. But I was, 
always searching. And so when I did weaving, my husband made me a loom. And when I was doing something else, he had to make me something else. So when I started painting and I needed a board, he says, oh, well, we'll see how long this lasts. And so I said, no, this is it. This is it. <laughs> I found it. So he's been very supportive through all my little changes. But this, uh, I have to paint now. I, I, I'm very restless if I can't paint. Right, right. Has to get out. And I walk uh, every day for a couple of hours. I go because I'm in such a handy location along the river and mm -hmm. then down to the lake. And you know, the skyline is different every single day. And I think if I was a watercolorist, I'd be down there painting this because it's so beautiful. But yeah. I come back and I remember those shapes, those yeah. colors, and then I can go through Hyde Park. And so I'm walking and I'm seeing shapes. I'm going up the my road, which is under construction, and all those piled up. <laughs> pipes yeah. and the thrown away logs and and I'm seeing all the negative shapes inside in between and right and so I take a lot of photographs and I get ideas my mind is going the whole time so yeah. amazing yeah it's uh, that was actually you've answered my next question was where do you find your inspiration but it's everywhere right it's oh, everywhere it's all around it's everywhere I got some fabulous photographs I was in a in January each January I go to um, LA to have a workshop with Catherine Chang Lu and she's kind of phenomenal and on the flight I was sitting by the window and I could see in my the window it was and the light coming in it was at the end of the day and so I painted some of those and it doesn't look like a window at all but you just have to take a section of what you're looking at yeah and so I, that was very exciting nice so I've been fortunate to have some key people kind of steer me along the way and say this is what you're doing is right or keep going or something a little bit of encouragement because there are three Americans there's Christopher Schink mm -hmm. which I mentioned from California and Skip Lawrence from um, he lives in Maryland he does a lot of workshops and Catherine Chang Lu who's uh, in California and then here in Toronto there's uh, John Leonard you can't beat him and um, and so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful just to paint with those people and paint yeah. with a group of other artists because we're all so different. And those people allow us to be different. Yeah. I don't go to any workshops where you're expected to paint what the person is painting. Right. So I've been teaching more and I've been encouraging people to do that as well. I never complete a painting. I just show them my structure, how I begin and what I do, and I bring other pieces that I've done so they can see my direction, but I don't uh, tell them this is how you do it. I just tell them, give them ideas. So, and that's really rewarding too. I'm enjoying that now. That's excellent. And where do you, where do you teach? Oh, I've, again, I've taught a class in Banbury recently up in Aurora. I've done a couple of um, demos in this gallery space for the University of Women's art group and so just things kind of pop up it's not a regular right. thing because um, I c it was suggested that I teach at the Halliburton School of the Arts but it's I don't know if I need to start doing that now right, right. I used to teach primary grades and so now I'm um, just enjoying life just enjoying exploring your own mm -hmm. art yeah mm -hmm. now quick word from our sponsor Studio Stories is brought to you by Lens Lids, handmade hats and fiber art. Lens Lids makes durable, windproof and waterproof merino wool hats in a variety of styles for women and a few for men as well. 
Find us online at linslids.com, that's L-Y-N-N-S-L-I-D-S, on social media at, at linslids, and the studio on Amherst Island is open by appointment. Drop an email to linslids at gmail.com or call or text 343-989-1550. Now, back to our program. If you're just joining us, this is Studio Stories on Amherst Island Radio. I'm your host, Lynn Weminga, and we are speaking with abstract watercolorist Vera Bobson in her studio on the west side of Toronto. Can you tell us what's sort of the greatest challenge of your work? The greatest challenge is to follow through on, on an idea that, and not to be scared because it's, it's just a piece of paper and if it doesn't work out, that's okay. I can paint over certain amounts of the work and I can remove some color. I can even remove black if, that's, if I've really had everything else working and that one shape isn't quite right. I can do that, but the thing I like about watercolor is it takes a commitment. I have a road map when I start of where I want to go and I put down some basic structures in pencil and then I guess you've heard that term of the art that the painting will talk to you. Well it does if you're involved and before you know it something pops up and it says well put put blue there <laughs> right. or make that square or stretch out that line and it's I guess it's just your thought process but it really feels like if you're involved with it the painting and you work together and you get to the end. Right. That's, that's amazing. That's so great. Um, okay, so greatest, uh, uh, what's the best part? What's the most rewarding? What, what, what's your favorite part? My favorite part is actually working with, um, I like to work once a week with other artists and stuff and it's just to see how they all attack a different style of work. Um, it amazes me because I'm often the only watercolorist and the acrylic people around me are so buoyant, so expressive and they're up there and they splash it down. They come in with a big blank piece of canvas and then they're throwing down color and they're just splashing it about and I watch and I watch and then we all kind of gather together when they're kind of stuck and we say to Susan, oh I think it needs a big black line over there. So she goes up and smacks down this big black line. We stand back and say, nah. And then she just takes it away. <laughs> and it just is gone. So I can't do that. <laughs> right. As a watercolorist, you can't just, um, yeah. But I like, um, I like the concentration and I like the commitment that it's going to work. And right. if it doesn't, it's okay. That's okay too. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. It was still an enjoyable afternoon or morning or Sometimes it's frustrating, but not that often. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you have to like with the process? I mean, if you're working just with black, then you can sort of work that through. Although I see that's a lot of that's a lot of pre-work, frog uh, taping, and there's a lot of taping, um, and I don't find it frustrating because I can see, I can visualize what it's going to be, mm -hmm. and I get irritated with little things. But for painting, it doesn't seem to bother me. I just uh, I get involved and it doesn't seem like uh, a half an hour of taping has gone by. It's right. just it's just what it is. Yeah. So uh, with something where you've used several colors and overlaps and everything, do you, do you need to wait for that to dry no. or do you just... The secret to watercolor I discovered not that long ago was water. So the less water, the more vibrant the colors mm -hmm. and the paper doesn't take forever to dry. So right. I'm not soaking it like I used to. Right. 
Um, so it doesn't take that long. I can do a shape and then work on another little bit and come back and go over it uh, with tape and mm -hmm. keep on working. So nice. it doesn't usually take That's great. a lot of time. That's great. Um, do you have any tools of choice that are... I do. I have to have my natural bristle brushes. I use now um, a varnishing brush, actually. It's a, a Lee Valley, and it's a good... Uh, it comes in an inch, uh, inch and a half, and a two inch. So those are my brushes of choice, and, and that's because I am, when I work, I rub the paint into the paper. I scrub oh, it in, yeah, 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 so that it's, it gets in the the pigments are in the paper, and then I use another dry, a bristle brush because bristle brushes have little barbs on it, so they will pick up paint and move paint, mm -hmm. whereas a synthetic brush will just slide paint, okay. and so you can't control it the same way, and even the, uh, the I've had some good. Uh, watercolor brushes which are sable with natural mm. and um, but they're too soft because now I want to rub it in I want it to really be in that paper so that it's vibrant right right and these and they're so vibrant uh, I encourage our listeners to go to our website cji.ca slash studio stories and have a look at Vera's paintings we'll put a few up there um, hopefully some of the ones we'll, I've, we've discussed and uh, and see you know, why I was so drawn. <laughs> well, by I'm them. glad you were. Uh, this year, I had a lot of really interesting conversations at the Artist Project. Well, there's hundreds of painters there, or mm -hmm. artists there, mm -hmm. and the crowds were really good this year. But people were wanting to know what it was I was doing, mm -hmm. and how was I doing it. And then there are a lot of. Um, uh, so a large group, well, large group, like maybe 20, <laughs> but mm -hmm. that's a lot yeah. uh, for over that period of time, of people who wanted to know how I was thinking, like they could see part of my thought process. And I found that really interesting because no one has ever talked about how do you think about it, yeah. and I see where you went from here to there, but how did you get to there, to right. point C, and so... That's like a little excitement when you, yeah. when someone knows really connect. not just how you feel, but how your your mind is actually getting there. I found that very interesting. Maybe I was more aware this year as well, but I did have oh, a dozen to to twenty people who could see my thought, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And when I when when I stopped to talk to you, you said something along the lines of. You know, I did. I did was what was expected of me for yes <laughs> for decades, and then it was enough. Yeah, no, that's true. It's like that. The expectation and the, you know, being Allison's mother and Eric's mother and Ron's husband, the vet's husband, a wife. I mean, mm -hmm. um, so it's just uh, you're taking a back seat. You're just doing your role. Yeah, yeah. time to step out. Yeah. I think the young people do that more now than, than they used to. I hope they do because it's, although I had a couple of young ladies that were there said, oh, I can't do that, no, I can't do that. And, then, and so I was telling them, you have to do it now. Don't waste your youth. It was interesting, <laughs> we're talking about the thought process and how some people can see it. When I go to Catherine Chang Lu in uh, Los Angeles in January, 
I took the first year I went, I took about nine to ten paintings and I started to explain something to her. She said, no, no. And then she put them in three piles and she just kind of sorted them out and said, you did those three, then you did those two, then you did that one, then you did those. And she had it exactly right. And it was not the color or anything, it was just a process that yeah. she could see, because you're supposed to kind of take a sampling of your year's work. Uh, and she I could see. see that. I thought, wow. And so there are more people that can do <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. A lot of artists like to work with other artists. There's something that's kind of understood. It's, um, and it feels good when you go into a room with a, a group of people that have the same feelings about what they're doing. It's like, an, I used to go to ISS. There's a program in Taos, New Mexico. I went there for five years and they finished uh, in 2015, but there were 100 people in the room with five wonderful artists that moved around between us. And you could feel that energy when you walked in the room. There wasn't in a lot of noise. It was just quiet chatter or silence. And you went around and there were people, a hundred people, all doing something different. That's amazing. Something different and something exciting to them. It was like just this energy that um, be nice to bottle. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, I was wondering about sort of the themes that you pursue um, and how maybe those have changed since from when you started in, say, 2004-ish. Mm -hmm. Is that when you said you, you I got started back to, to paint it? in 2004 and yeah. I started to do uh, this kind of work in 2010. Right. Um, so how has it changed maybe from 2010? Well, know. I've discovered that I really like the shape quadrangle. And it's a four-sided shape with four different angles. So I can stretch it, make it long and skinny, and I could squat it, and I can overlap them, and I could intermingle them, and I can hide one inside the other. And it's like, there's always like, what can I do with this shape today? And there are times where I think, well, I'm gonna use triangles today, but it doesn't work. You know, as I start to work, <laughs> I'll put some in, but that shape but just keep keeps coming back, to, back to me. Yes, I really like it, because it's so versatile. And it never looks boring. And it looks interesting as a tall, skinny shape. Yeah. And you see, even those shapes up there with the stripes, it's still a quadrangle yeah. with that space space in the middle. It looks like two rectangles or triangles, but they're not. To mm -hmm. me, it was my my shape. Yeah. So so you you're exploring that shape all the time. I do like the circle because I've discovered a beam compass, which I'd never heard of before. I went just to Curry's. And there was this package that was kind of open, and I didn't know what it was. And so I had to go and ask them. They said, oh, well, that's a beam compass. As if everyone knew what a beam compass was. But instead of being an, a pivot, it was along a beam. And I could make a circle oh. now of like a four-foot circle by attaching these two beams, these rods, mm -hmm. which made it look like a beam. And so I used those. Um, for the big arcs, do I have any in here right now? Like these big arcs right. and these circles? Yeah. I can, I can now make those with uh, a compass that allows me a bigger circle. Right. If anyone wants to find your work, where is there any, is somewhere online they can go or? Well, know? currently the, um, the Society of Canadian Artists 
has a show online for three months and these three pieces are in that show and that's only online and then I have a, a gallery in Ottawa from the artist project I've now sent some pieces there oh, so nice. there what's the gallery it's Coyman Coyman okay. gallery so if you're in Ottawa go to the Coyman gallery and latitude 44 is a gallery in Toronto in the Junction area and she has some of my paintings excellent and, and uh, I have my own studio, so anybody can come by anytime nice. if they're in the area. Excellent. And you are and you have a website yourself? I do. VeraBobson.com. And do you, do you, was the, like, artist project, is that something you... I do that. Mm -hmm. I enjoy that. And I also do an art tour every year. It's the first weekend in June. And there's probably 30-odd artists in this west end of Toronto. And lots of good art. Excellent. So. Well, we'll get this on before that weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll plug That'd that. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Maybe you can talk to us a little bit about your process. Well, like I mentioned, I, I have a bit of a road map. I like to have a little direction. I can't just go. So I have a sketchbook mm -hmm. and I take a lot of photographs. So from my photographs, I have shapes. I take pictures of shapes now. <laughs> I have people, people, sometimes my family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I take a lot of shapes. And, and I like the outdoors. So there's a lot of natural shapes that I use. So I'm, I'm still thinking landscape sometimes, uh, although uh, it doesn't look like it necessarily. But the color combinations, I have another tool. It's a, a deck of color it's called Color Aid, and they're um, different colors, 300 odd colors. So sometimes when I'm not sure, I want just the regular yellow, blue, green. Um, there's lots of tones and shades of those colors, and uh, I like to test it out first mm -hmm. on a little bit. So I use these colors to see how it's going to react. Is it going to be quiet and are they going to be harmonious or are they going to react boldly? And um, I do love black. Black is my friend. If it looks kind of boring, I put in the black. <laughs> Somewhere, um, yeah. I usually have a little bit of black in all of them. It just has a, it's yeah. a wonderful color, black. And actually, in watercolor, to get a smooth, clean black, it's difficult. It looks like it should cover everything, but if I want it really solid black without any streakiness or light yeah. and darkness, then it takes a, a, a lot of effort. And the moisture has to be the same in a large area. That whole area has to have the same moisture for it to be even flat color. Right. And my other favorite one is a gradation. I like to gradate from one color to another color. Mm -hmm. Because uh, that's challenging, so I like that. Yeah, black adds depth. It does. Yeah. It makes it a little more dramatic, I guess. Yeah, even that, yeah, just a little splash there. That's right, like if you covered that top or just took a, see how that was? That's like a waterfall in mountains, mm -hmm. like I did over here. Yeah. But just leaving that space, and then instead of putting in rocks at the bottom, I thought, well, I, it's done. That's how the painting was talking to me. It says, mm -hmm. I'm done. <laughs> I don't have to have anything else. <laughs> so I like it when they talk to me. And sometimes yeah. I say, 
speak up because I can't decide what to do. <laughs> the first person that I interviewed, she's a she's a painter, and her she she does a lot of different mediums, but she I think watercolor is her favorite. And she she said, you know, the thing the two things that artists ask themselves is um, should I paint this, and am I done yet? Is it, mm -hmm. is it finished, right? Mm -hmm. So it's nice when your painting tells ah, you it's yeah, done. Yeah, it talks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> We're good now. Yeah, I haven't tried any other medium. Um, I, you're having a good time with this one. Yeah, it just hasn't become boring yet. So yeah. Excellent. <laughs> That's great. Well, I won't take up any more of your time, but, and I really appreciate you taking the time and well, your schedule. To well, thank you so much for coming all this way to talk to me. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. Thanks for joining us this week, listeners, as we spoke with Toronto abstract watercolorist Vera Bobson. We have links to galleries showing Vera Bobson's work, photos of her studio and some of her art, links to Vera's website, Instagram, and to all those contemporary artists she mentioned as well at cjai.ca slash studio stories, so be sure to visit. Join us next time on Studio Stories when island artist Chris Laffin and I have an extra-long studio chat.